So good morning, everybody. I want to just uh, jump right into the word of the Lord this morning. This last week, I had this thought in my mind um, as it related to uh, the day that Peter stepped out of the boat and walked on the water. Do you remember that story? As far as we know, there's only two people in the history of the planet that walked on water. Jesus and Peter. The thing is, though, as I thought about that, the other disciples that were sitting in the boat watching their friend out on the water, they were actually observing something that was possible for them. But did you know that we're not called to be passive observers, but rather active participants in what is our portion in life? I bet you, I just, this is an aside, but I bet you, you know, instead of celebrating Peter after this whole thing, they were like, dude, I knew you were going to sink, man. I just knew it. I knew you were going to, you know, that's just so often our propensity. We're, we're not only, you know, observers, but we're dogging other people when they fail and step out and take a risk. I remember one time I was talking to my friend Banning, and he was telling me about someone on their team, and they were in their staff meeting, uh, you know, sharing about this team member that that went for it with a girl or something. You know, asked her out, kind of stepped out in faith, courage, and she turned him down. And in the staff meeting, they were like, dude, you're awesome. You're awesome, man. Way to go. Way to take a risk. And he's like, what, man? She turned me down. No, you're awesome. Because he actually stepped out. Come on, girls in the room. Millennial crowd, come on. Stepped out and did something. And, and that's what I want to talk about. I, I want to I kind of, I want to give you this, this thought, this talk today um, through the life of Nathaniel, which I've never preached on Nathaniel before. I can honestly proudly say that in 15 years I've never preached the same message twice here at the harbor. Can I get an amen? And I'm not bragging in that. I just think it's good to have fresh bread coming so that we can all eat on Sundays. Can I get an amen? And so, anyhow, I was thinking about Nathaniel and this whole concept of going beyond the amazement of being seen by God and actually getting into the game with God. So we're going to see that God sees us, and that may be amazing to people in the room today, those watching over live stream. But more than him seeing us, he wants to activate us to live the life that we were called to live. Have you ever been to a pro sports game where we're watching these professionals do their thing, right? It's amazing. It's amazing. The talent, the ability. I'm just awestruck as a former athlete myself, just watching people at that level do what they're able to do. You know, we fill stadiums around our country to be observers of other people's talents, callings, and giftings, and we even celebrate those things. But have you ever been in those games when they turn, every, just, just 
every now and then, they don't do it a lot, but they, they turn the, the cameras on someone in the stadium, right? Have you ever seen that? They're just kind of, you know, they're just kind of sitting there, um, minding their own business, you know, just eating their popcorn, you know, just kind of sitting there. And all of a sudden, on that million-dollar jumbotron, which is how much those things cost, million-plus, by the way, we're going to be taking up an offering at the end of the day for a jumbotron in the harbor. I was kidding. Their face appears on that jumbotron. And I love the different responses, right? You know, some people are like, yeah, no, no, stop. You know, and then other people are like, oh, hey. And then they're looking at their friends, laughing. And how many of you have seen it when they do the dance-off, right? And they're showing, they're putting the camera on different people. And when it hits you, then you're supposed to get up. And you see people do some of the craziest things. Like, I love it when, like, the old guy, you know, jumps up. And he starts doing the Macarena or whatever. You know, it's just awesome. But it's because they're no longer an observer. They're a participant in the moment with all the rest of those multitudes sitting in that stadium. Something comes alive on the inside of them when they not only see themselves, but they get involved in what is happening in the moment. There's this verse in in Psalm 107, verse 2, and I think you guys know me enough by now and the culture that we're trying to build here. I, I, I like active participation even in these one-way moments of communication where you, you feed back, you, you, you say an amen, you, 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 know, you, you engage in, in what's happening in the room. And I want to just clarify this. It's not because of my insecurity. I actually don't, I honestly, I can say in this space, I don't have any insecurity there. I believe there's something really powerful, like the psalmist says here, that the redeemed of the Lord in a moment of engagement say so. The, the, the writer here, he says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Now, if you're new to the harbor, maybe today was your first time in worship. The reason we've cultivated an atmosphere of going bananas in worship is not because there's, there's some exterior, uh, you know, eccentric, not, not eccentric, uh, I don't know, emotion that we're trying to conjure up. To me, anyhow, there's something when I'm hearing those words, they're, they're resonating with something on the inside of me. And I just want to say, yes, yes. It's like Dan, Danny. I know it's Danny because I, I just know his voice. He's in the back. Jesus, Jesus. Right? Every Sunday. Jesus. And someone could be, man, who's that guy back there just saying Jesus? Like, I'm trying to worship here. <laughs> because 
There's something that ignites on the inside of us. When we move out of just being observers and we come into a space of participating in the redemption of what God has done. Go back to Psalm 102. In the redemption of what God has done, delivering us out from the hand of the enemy. Do you know redemption? You know what that means? That means to be free from distress. It also means to be released from blame, shame, condemnation. How many of you need some of that today? It also means to be freed from the consequences of sin. You see, I don't even think we understand the reality of redemption. You see, God is so good. Not only does he forgive us of our sin, but he redeems us. And even over time begins to turn everything that was meant for our harm and free us even from the consequences of things that have happened to us. Some people are just like, oh, I you know, I'm living miserably right now because 15, 20 years ago, and this is my penance that I've got to pay for my mistakes. No, you don't understand the gospel. The gospel is way bigger than that. If it was about you paying for what you did, then you don't really need Jesus. It also here, and I love this part, and this is where we're going to go this morning. It means being bought back and being restored to the original you that you were always intended and created to be. Always. And one thing that you were never intended to be was a passive observer in the thing called the gospel of the kingdom. Never. If you think that your obligation after you got saved was now to show up on church on Sunday and maybe give 10% or 20 or 50 or 90, maybe be an usher, it was way bigger, as wonderful as all those things are, than that. You know, I'm excited because uh, in the month of uh, September, we're going to be launching our small groups, and I'm, I'm super stoked because, I mean, I think we're going to have a bunch of these going in unison with each other by the way please like i think we need to move together as a house like if you have a passion for groups don't go do a random group come and see us and say hey how can i get connected what god what is god doing in this place so we can be one force and momentum moving us forward can i get an amen right there it's exciting and everybody should be jumping in on the small groups that are coming this fall why because the small groups are a way that we can get activated in who we were called to be. You know, we're talking a lot on these Sundays about identity because we know that identity opens the doorway for intimacy. All the married people in the room, you know that you're able to love your wife or, or husband way more when you know who you are. There's no walls. There's no, the, when the walls and the barriers come down because you are secure in yourself, you can really open up your heart to somebody else. So identity makes way for intimacy, and then it doesn't stop there. Intimacy is the doorway for profound things to begin to happen both in and through us relating into this thing called destiny. And it's not individual destiny. It's a corporate destiny. 
a corporate body of Christ that is moving together in specific houses, in a collective reality, in the regions that they're placed, and in our nation, in the world, to see the transformation of people's lives and the transformation of the cities that we live in. It's just that simple. So we're all called to be active participants in this. So there's this guy by the name of Nathaniel. He was actually... just caught this when I was studying about his life. He was actually only referred to as Nathaniel in the book of John. And everywhere else he was referred, referred to as Bartholomew. Isn't that crazy? Like, God just doesn't even want us to know, like, who's really who anymore. You know what I mean? Like, is it Saul or Paul? Is it Abram or Abraham? I mean, who, who, who are you? You know, it's, it's, he's always changing names up on us. We've got to look, we've got to cross-check to see, like, who these people actually are. But just to give you a little background on, on Nathaniel, he was one of the disciples called by Jesus. You can see this in John chapter 1, verse 43. And he was from Cana in the Galilee where Jesus performed his first miracle. No doubt, I believe that miracle probably impacted the life of Nathaniel that, that really got him, you know, curious in who the Son of God actually really was. And he was brought by his friend Philip to Jesus, who was also one of Jesus' disciples. I like his name because it means God has given in Hebrew. So in other words, there was something you know, very beautiful about his life. It was something very intentional about the reason that Nathaniel was born. When you look in the mirror, do you go, wow, God, you know, you just look at yourself, you smile. God, you have given something awesome to this world today. <laughs> world, thank you that I am here, you know. <laughs> But God had given something to him and in him to do something beautiful for the glory of God. Now, we're going to look into John chapter 1, verse 45 and following real quick. But I just want to set up the context because you can, you can, I think, track along a little better. Context here is John the Baptist's ministry is in full swing. And it, it, it's, it's when he turns in that moment, he sees Jesus coming. And he says, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Takes it away. Redemption. He has that revelation in that moment. Pretty soon the ministry of John now begins to shift. All the people that were following him as he was a forerunner to Jesus now begin to shift to Jesus. And people start following Jesus as it was always intended to be. People following Jesus as it was always intended to be. And Jesus then starts going out and seeing guys like Andrew and Peter, Philip. And he says to them, come and follow me. And verse 45, let's pick it up there. Philip goes to look for Nathanael and told him, we have found the very person Moses 
and the prophets wrote about, and his name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. I love it when I meet people that have found this treasure that's been hidden in the field, and they are convinced. And that's what's going on here. There would have been nothing Nathaniel or anybody else could have said to Philip in that moment because he had found something that made him come alive. But look at Nathaniel's response. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Now, before we shame old Nathaniel, who was a skeptic in this moment, I want to submit that we've all been, are, or hopefully not in the future, will be skeptics. But I love what Philip said back to Nathaniel. He says, come and see for yourself. Put yourself around this guy. Put yourself into the midst of the people that are now running with him and just see what happens. Oh. That's how I want church to be. Where people will just go, man, I don't know about Harbor. I don't know about Pastor Darren and Sammy. Those people, Julie's crazy. I mean, you know, why did I say Julie's crazy? She's not crazy. You know, crazy good, right? But they'll just come instead of having whatever opinion. Just come and see for yourself. And... Philip decides to to, to pull Nathanael, who now is willing to go. And as they approach, it says in verse 47, Jesus, he says to Nathanael, look at this with me. Now, here is a genuine son of Israel. This is amazing. A man of complete integrity. Now, if he would have known the conversation that he was just having, Philip, the skepticism, the doubt... Listen, here's what you need to understand. God sees way beyond. Way past. Way deeper than all the surface things that we see about ourselves. You want to know why? Because he's the redeemer. He knows who we originally were. Total mystery before we were in fashion in our mother's womb and brought into this thing called life on planet Earth. He knows the depths of our heart. And his redemption is after that reality to pull us out of whatever cynicism or skepticism or doubt or fear or whatever and into something great. And he knows how to do it. And he doesn't do it by shame. Philip. I, 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 I know what you and Nathaniel were just talking about. Nathaniel, leave my presence. You know, he's not like that. He looks at him and he says, wow, a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity. 
Now, here's, here's what Jesus was seeing. And let me illustrate it like this, as it related to the statement, a son of Israel. He was seeing way bigger and beyond the nationalism to whatever degree that Nathaniel felt in his heart for his own nation. I, I love our country. Trust me, there's nowhere else I'd rather ever live in my entire life. I love being an American. But hear me in this. I am not looking for America, President Trump, President Obama, whatever president in the future that may come to usher me into my destiny. I'm not sitting back waiting for a right political move or our nation to be in whatever place with whatever laws as much as we need those laws for me to say, okay, now I'm able to be in the nation that we're actually a part of, which is... The nation of Israel, in a big picture that we've been grafted in, a spiritual Israel, is called the kingdom of God. And we are sons and daughters of that kingdom. And he sees this mark on Nathaniel's life. Whoever's not offended, say amen. <clears throat> so, Nathaniel in verse 48 is amazed and he says, how do you know about me? Now, here's what you've got to catch. Something about those two things that he spoke over Nathaniel. Genuine son of Israel, man of complete integrity. Those things are resonated with Nathaniel's spirit. And Jesus replies and he says, I could see you under the fig tree before Philip found you. Now, here's what's mind-blowing about that, and you've got to understand this is true for our life as well, every single person in this room. Whether we know it or not, the eyes of God are on our lives. I, I don't believe it, Darren. But here, here's the deal, and, and you may have never ex have experienced this before, but what took place here in this encounter with Jesus would fall into all the prophetic category of spiritual gifts, the movement of God's Spirit on the earth, which I think should be the norm in church, honestly. Not church services, our, our lives as the people of God called the church. And what's specifically taking place here in this, in this encounter is what's called a word of knowledge. Now, a word of knowledge is something specific to someone's life that you never could have known that specific outside of God revealing that to you. So the father reveals something to Jesus about the life of Nathaniel that he never could have known outside of God giving that to him. And so he saw him under the fig tree, but more than, than that, he knew that he was a genuine son of Israel and a man of complete integrity. Here's what, what blows my mind about the prophetic and especially words of knowledge. At first, here's what happens. Something is said to you that, boom, immediately resonates and gets your attention. Anybody else ever experienced this? 
something said to you by somebody, and you're like, wait a minute, I was just thinking about that three hours ago. Or yesterday, someone used that exact same terminology when they were speaking to me. It, whatever the scenario it is, it's something specific that had most, more than likely most recently happened in your life. But it's a setup. Because in that moment, here's what you think. Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, God, did God, you see me? Every time, I, I mean, I've been walking with Jesus 25 years and I forget. And then when this happens to me, I'm like, hold on, wait a minute, you are real. Wait a minute. But it's a setup to move us beyond just being seen and actually activated in what we are called to do. Because after he gets our attention... Then he drops the bomb on us about what he actually really wants to say. Quick testimony. I had, before moving down here, was involved in another church plant, going gangbusters. There was no reason for Wendy and I ever to, to leave where we were living and move to a city that we'd never actually been to in our entire life. And I was on a mission trip in Brazil with another member of our team, and he was there to experience this with me, so I knew I wasn't going crazy. But we had this, this thing with Jesus where he said to me as clear as day that my time in Birmingham, where we were living at the time, was finished, and that he was going to be relocating us to a southern gateway city of the United States. And he revealed to me that it was Fort Lauderdale, Florida, and I had never, ever been to Fort Lauderdale, Florida before. I was like, this is crazy. Like, I don't, I don't even, what does it look like down there? What are the people like? You know, I've never even been there. I, I've, never, I've never even traveled to that city before. But this is what I heard in my heart. So I came back, spoke to Wendy about what had taken place. Of course, you know, she's like a little, you know, she's supportive and everything. But she's like, wow, that's a pretty big deal, you know, moving to South Florida. I mean, we're kind of happy here. You know, everything's going good. And then we went to our team and told them about what, what had taken place in, in Brazil. And uh, we decided to take a trip away for just a couple of days, couple of, one, couple nights, and go to a conference and seek the Lord. And so we made our way from Birmingham to, to Charlotte, North Carolina. And I swear to God, y'all, as we're driving and I'm just looking out the window, I'm not even talking to anybody. I'm, I'm just, when I get into processing mode, I am shut down, shut out. You can be talking to me and I might even be talking back to you, but I'm not engaged in the conversation. Trust me. I'm somewhere else. And that's where I was. I was just somewhere else with God, Lord. And I kept asking the question, is this really you? And then a Florida car would go by with the orange on the license plate. Wait a minute. And I, and I you know, at first, you know, when the first time then I was like, is this really you? Another Florida car. Really you? Florida car. I mean, really you? Florida, Florida. It was like every car on the highway was Florida. It was bizarre. So we get up to the conference, 5,000 plus people. The problem was they only had fire code for 4,000 to get into the worship. So 1,000 of us that showed up late uh, because of the artists that were with us on the trip. Can I get an amen? <clears throat> Justin. <clears throat> we got separated off into this side little conference deal, you know, where they were going to have the, they, it had, they came up with a seminar. They weren't, didn't even have it planned. And uh, they said, well, you know, we're going to um, show you guys that God really speaks. But since we just kind of came up with this thing last minute, let's really step out on the edge. We're going to say some things that are either going to have to be the Lord or they're not. And so the third person in, some of you guys have heard this story before. I get called out, 
And this guy looks at me and he says, there's an orange in your eye. Now, in that room, I'm guaranteed 99.999% of everybody, they missed it, they missed it. Orange in your eye, no way. I'm, <laughs> Jesus! You're real, you're real, you're real. You see me. And then the guy just casually as can be, he goes, because here came the bomb. That was just to get my attention. You're contemplating a move to South Florida, and God just wants you to know it's of him. Boom. You see, when you get something like that, That puts you in the game. Because, you know, I'm one of these per- people that, like, if it's real and it's like the Lord, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give everything to it. Up to that point, I was a skeptic. I was a skeptic. You see, we can go and have encounters with Jesus, sit in awesome messages, like the one today. Amen. Amen. And still be passive observers. But see, God sees you. But way more than that. He wants you in the game. So Nathaniel exclaimed, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, the King of Israel. And Jesus asked him, as I'm closing here, do you believe this? Just because I told you that I saw you under the fig tree? Here's what you got to get. He says to him, you're going to see way more than this. You think this was big. You see, God wasn't just about wowing me with the fact that he was going to relocate me and a few of my friends to South Florida. But there was something way more massive that he was up to in that, in that exchange. Now, here's the deal. You've got to understand, you've got to dig a little bit for this kind of understanding. But did you know that the fig tree was actually the symbol for the nation of Israel? I think it still is in many ways. And you remember when Jesus curses the fig tree, which is not even, it's not even fair of him. He's expecting to find fruit on the fig tree, but when he comes up to it, it's barren because it's not even the season for the fruit tree. And he curses it and it withers and it dies right in front of him. Let me ask you a question. Where was Nathaniel when Jesus saw him? Sitting under what? A fig tree. So, that meant that the fig tree had all kinds of leaves and fruit on it that could shade him from the sun. And that 
that was the season that Jesus found him sitting under the fig tree. You see, remember Jesus in Matthew 24, he says, verse 32, now learn a lesson from the fig tree when it's, oh, this is good. When its branches bud and its leaves begin to sprout. You know that summer is near, verse 33. In the same way, when you see all these things, you can know that my return is very near. Right at the door, verse 34, I tell you the truth, this generation will not pass from the scene until all these things take place. Verse 35, heaven and earth will disappear, but my words will never disappear. In other words, he's sitting under this fig tree that's in full bloom. And it's a sign that that generation was now waking up to be put in to the game of what God had for their life. The fig tree, track with me here, prior, back in the day, had been the place of man's greatest failure. What do you mean, Darren? You see, when they ate of the fruit and the fall took place, that set everything on the wrong course, and Jesus was coming to redeem the course that had been dissuaded because of the first Adam's failure. Darren, what are you talking about fig tree? I think it was not an apple. So all of you iPhone, you know, know, uh, what is it called? Conspiracists. It was not an apple. It was a fig tree. Because the very first thing when their eyes were opened, it said that they took leaves. What kind of leaves? Fig leaves, and they covered themselves. It was the very thing that was right there before them. They were eating. Anyhow, the point is, is that all the brokenness that kept mankind from being in the game, when Nathaniel was sitting under a blossoming tree... With fruit on it. Jesus was like, it's time for you, Nathaniel, and it's time for all the nation of Israel. And I guarantee he was sitting under that tree going, when is Messiah coming? I want to be a part of this team. When is Messiah coming? I want to be a part of this team. And when Jesus looks at him, you see, many of us in this room, like you're not saying it out loud. You're sitting by yourself under some fig tree and even wondering, could I even be in that game? But you're asking, when is the move of God going to come? When is something great going to happen on the earth? When are we not just going to have another church service? When is something going to be far bigger than I ever could have imagined or dreamed of? And Jesus sees that in your heart. So verse 51 back to John. He says, I tell you the truth, Nathaniel. You will see heaven open up and the angels of God going up and down on the Son of Man, who is the stairway between heaven and earth. In other words, where everything was once cut off, I have now bridged the gap in perfect relationship with the Father. I am Lord over the heavens and the earth. And I stand as the go-between. And everything that is there has permission now to come here. And you're sitting under that tree and you're dreaming. And everything you're dreaming is right. But it's not just for me to see you in that place. But to activate you. To go and do what you believe to be true in your heart. Would you stand with me all over this room? So Peter's walking on water, 
see, there's Peter's walking on water again today. They're out there. They're the people that we admire. They're the people that we follow on Instagram. They're the people that we listen to their podcast. But all the while, we still sit in our boats watching them do their thing, which is wonderful. Gifted, talented, anointed people. But you, my friend, are called to be a water walker as well. Well, Darren, I'm going to sink. Who cares? Get out of the boat. Darren, I'm afraid. I don't know if my, my feet will hold me up when I step. Get out of the boat. The tree is ripe again. Jesus hung on a tree and became a curse for us so that we could eat of him again. There's no lack of food. There's no lack of sustenance. There's no lack of shade. You can be seated in Christ. But as you're seated, you're called to reign. As our ministry teams come up, can we just close our eyes just for a minute? Maybe you're in this place today and you don't know Jesus in this way. You're skeptical. He doesn't see me. He doesn't know me. It's the furthest thing from the truth. He knows you more than you know yourself. Maybe today, maybe you've been coasting through the lives of other people, through your wife, through your husband, through another believer that you know and respect, and all that's good and well. But God has invested something in you that He's not put in anybody else. And it's time for the camera to turn on you, for you to stand to your feet and begin to dance. Lord, if there's healing in anybody's bodies that's needed in this room, would you pour out the grace of heaven so that we can taste and see that you are good? Because the atmosphere is changing now. The glory of your name is all around us, Lord. Come and do your thing. I'm just going to hang right here. I just feel such a tender presence of God. You've got to go get your children. Please do so. You're dismissed officially, but I just feel there's so many people in this place that you just maybe for the first time saw today that God sees you, but maybe even more importantly, more than He sees you, the heavens are open. The Son of God is standing. Angels are ascending and descending. The doorway is open for you to move and step out. Step out of the boat. Step out of the boat. Come to Harbor Life. Come get involved. Get in, get into a small group. Begin to connect. Begin to put your heart and engage in a spiritual family. Quit doing your own thing. Quit being out there isolated. Quit being, you know, just dispeeled and, 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 and covered up in, in wrong atmospheres, bad places. Come. Come into the place where Jesus would have you to be. Pour yourself out, Lord, today. In Jesus' name. God bless you guys. We're going to be here ministering as long as we need to. 
If in any way you need ministry this morning, come. God bless.